Hi, my name's Tori and I wish I knew more about blood products. Hi, my name's Letitia. I wish I knew more about taking care of myself when starting shift work. Hi, my name is Lydia. I wish I would know more about how to work as in a team and solve conflict. Hello, welcome to Five Things, the nursing podcast from the Royal Brisbane and Women's Hospital. My name is Liz Crow. I'm Jesse Spur, and this is a podcast by, for, and with the amazing nurses and health professionals in our corner of the world. We hope to connect with a global community as we move from surviving to thriving. Welcome to Five Things. Like all good nurses, the uh, things that I do every day are a little bit of, of everybody else's role, a little bit of physio, a little bit of psychology, a little bit of medicine, a little bit of everything tied up in a big nursing bow. And the evidence with pain management is that you should deliver that care with a, a, a multidisciplinary team. So on each ward I'm, I'm on, I talk to that patient's physio, I talk to that patient's psychologist, I organise for that referral if it needs to happen. I build a multidisciplinary team around that patient and that need so that that care is delivered holistically. So I'm not a practitioner on my own, I'm part of a team. Hello, my name is Liz Crow, And I'm Jesse Spur. And you just heard from Melanie Proper, who is the nurse practitioner from the Acute Pain Management Service here at the Royal Brisbane and Women's Hospital. You're about to hear a lot more from her in a second. Today is a special episode recognising that it's Nurse Practitioner Week from the 12th to the 18th of December. And so Five Things Nursing Podcast ought to be a great opportunity for us to interview five great nurse practitioners who work at the Royal Brisbane and Women's Hospital to find out what is a nurse practitioner and what makes them so special within their roles. Melanie, you're going to give us a little bit of a rundown on the role of the nurse practitioner, what it is, and I I suppose with a bit of a functional example of how your role practices as a nurse practitioner. So a nurse practitioner is still a nurse, a registered nurse who has been endorsed after completing a master's and um, has five years of advanced practice in their specialty to act at an advanced level. So that includes being able to assess and diagnose, prescribe, order tests and refer to another specialist. It means you essentially can see a patient without it being under a medical health professional's ownership of that patient. You're responsible for the care that you're delivering. You deliver evidence-based care and you are accountable for it. One of the beauties of being a nurse practitioner is that you get to be a whole of service provider. So you get to sit. I couldn't do this job as a doctor. So I'm a pain specialist. A pain specialist as a doctor has to be an anaesthetist who's then specialised in pain management and they do implantable devices and they do lots of high-tech interventions. They aren't expected to sit with a patient and teach them how to use a mirror so that their amputated limb no longer hurts them. They aren't expected to sit and debrief the trauma and the stress behind their pain and help them rationalise and normalise where they are at that moment in time and help them recognise they have strategies to move forward with their life. That takes time, that takes communication skills and knowledge and the system doesn't have very many people who have that time and that whole of knowledge. I understand anatomy and physiology. I understand psychology behind the pain and I can tie it together and personalise it for that patient. 
And that's a unique space and a rewarding space. That's really what you're doing. You're not trying to be any more than a nurse. My, my best days are often that I've worked out how to get this patient wife to stay the night because that's really what he wanted more than anything. More, much more important than the tablet I gave him. Far more important that I educate the family who are stressed around the bed about what's happening. Far more important that I've advocated for that patient who really doesn't like the tablet he's been given and really would like something else. Those, those things are far more important than a number on a page. The patient is the focus and being a nurse practitioner it means that you have taken your years of expertise and you're applying it at a new level, a higher level with the training to do it and getting a really good outcome. Hi, my name is Madeline Hall. I'm a nurse practitioner specialising in vaccine preventable diseases and I work here at the Royal Brisbane and Women's Hospital in the Queensland Adult Specialist Immunisation Service. So my nursing journey started back in 1984 as a pupil enrolled nurse at Prince Charles Hospital and from there um, I just went on and did lots of extra training and lots of different things. So I did my general nurse training at the PA, uh, trained as a midwife and a child health nurse along the way and a nurse immuniser. And when I trained as a nurse immuniser, that was what really sparked my interest in vaccine preventable diseases. And then in 2015, uh, I was lucky enough to secure a position here at the Royal Brisbane uh, as a nurse practitioner candidate specialising in vaccine preventable diseases. So I trained uh, at, in, through the Infectious Diseases Unit and then was uh, appointed permanently into a nurse practitioner role here. So what I really like about my position as an NP is a couple of things. Uh, I love the space that I'm working in at the moment because I have a really great multidisciplinary team and uh, with lots of different specialties, uh, immunology, infectious diseases, we have pharmacy, a research position, admin, uh, and it's just really great to be able to have all those different perspectives to draw on uh, with regards to vaccine preventable diseases. But the main thing that I really like about my role is the ability to meet more of my patients' needs than I could uh, pre prior to being a nurse practitioner. So, for instance, if I had a patient who has had a splenectomy, people who've had a splenectomy uh, are at lifelong risk of certain bacterial diseases. They need extra vaccines and they need uh, to take uh, daily antibiotics at least for a couple of years, sometimes for the rest of their life, and they always have to have an emergency supply of antibiotics as well. So that means now when I see those patients, I can give them the additional vaccines they require. I can do all their education about what they need to do if they're travelling, what they need to do if they need to have dental work, what changes if they're pregnant or breastfeeding if they're female. And then I can also now write their prescriptions for their daily and their emergency antibiotics. So previously when I was nurse immuniser, I could have certainly done the education, I could have done the extra vaccines because nurse immuniser is an expanded scope practice, but I wouldn't have been able to write the scripts for the antibiotics. So that meant that I either had to try and run around the hospital trying to find a spare doctor who could see the patient and write up the antibiotics, or I had to ask the patient to go to their GP and get that done. And then I didn't really get any feedback on whether or not they had actually done that. Something I'm really interested in, Madeline, is it sounds like with a nurse practitioner, there's just so much more autonomy. Um, I'm really curious to know a little bit more about your role and the way that you do have this independence to be reactive to what it is that your patients need. 
Yeah, sure. So I guess the expanded role of the nurse practitioner means that we have additional skills that we are authorised to use compared to a registered nurse. So that can include prescribing. So the types of things that I might prescribe other than vaccines would be things like immunoglobulins, where somebody's been exposed to a vaccine-preventable disease and we need to give them immediate cover so they don't contract that disease. Um, I might uh, order, if I've got a patient in at the specialist immunisation service, I might need to order medications for that person around uh, some potential allergy testing they might be having, um, skin prick testing or graded challenges. Uh, I might also need to order, uh, if a patient's having symptoms after a vaccine or a test, I might need to order some antiemetics for them or um, some antihistamines, something like that. If we have people who are uh, particularly needle phobic, sometimes we might need to use something like nitrous oxide or might also uh, need to perhaps use some Emla patches or something like that just to help them psychologically be able to go ahead with the vaccination process. And then, you know, the other areas, I guess, where we have expanded scope is things like radiology. So um, a common scenario there would be if we've uh, got a new staff member starting and they've been born or they've spent some time in a country with a high TB incidence, then what we uh, would do with them normally is uh, do some testing to see if they've been exposed to TB previously. So I can order that pathology test to do that testing. And then if that comes back positive, what that tells us is that person's been exposed to TB. But it doesn't tell us whether or not they've got active TB or it's latent TB. And so then I would order a chest X-ray and look at the chest X-ray to see if there's any signs of active TB. If there's no signs of active TB, then I can go ahead and talk to that person about treatment for latent TB, which involves prescribing some antibiotics for a length of time. Um, and then, you know, there's a lot of drug interactions to consider with those uh, types of treatments. And then... Um, that I guess that's sort of yeah where I where I put it all together. So you know it's it's uh, being able to do all of those things for the patient. So normally those staff members would have to you know perhaps get referred to an infectious diseases physician and they might be on a waiting list for a while. So that's one of the big advantages of the nurse practitioner role. I think as well you know like we can do a lot of the things the the, the prelim work I suppose before they get to the specialist. So we can see the person first and go oh okay well let's order all these tests first so that all of that's done and then by the time you've gone to the specialist they've already got all of the information and they'll be able to pick up straight from there. Hi my name's Julia Brownlee I'm an emergency nurse practitioner and I work down at the Royal Brisbane Emergency and Trauma Centre. My story in terms of becoming a, uh, a nurse practitioner in the emergency setting, I've worked in that setting for nearly over 20 years uh, and a majority of that time, although it's just turning, um, as being a nurse at multiple different levels, being a registered nurse, a clinical nurse, a clinical nurse consultant. And then I found my journey um, to take me to become a nurse practitioner. Um, people asked me what was that day like and what did I realise. I think I was looking back and seeing at the time significant wait times for a lot of our patients in the emergency department and could see that as a really advanced practice nurse, I was doing a lot of the care and 
communicating with the patients and really getting to them a point where they were nearly almost ready to go home and knew what they needed, but they were waiting for the next step, which was the treating medical clinician at that time. And um, due to the factors that in our ED, we didn't have nurse practitioners and I didn't have the advanced skills to be able to give the ultimate diagnosis and discharge to go home, they were waiting longer periods in time. And, And I looked at myself and I looked at us as nurses and said, well, I can do that. And in some situations, I can do it better. And so I took, undertook the journey of becoming a nurse practitioner. Through that journey, obviously, emergency medical practice or emergency care um, is very broad, very, very broad area. Is part of a nurse practitioner generally zoning in on a specialty area that you invest more time in? Because I imagine it's very hard to be a generalised nurse practitioner across emergency settings? Look, I think traditionally nurse practitioners in emergency, which were one of the first roles where they, well, it was where the first nurse practitioners um, came from down in Victoria back in 2001. And it was found to sit in an area. It was found to sit in minor injuries. And that was really because that was where advanced practice nurses sat at that time. It's where the need was. The biggest wait times in EDs were for category fours and fives were often associated with minor injuries. In saying that, sometimes they still have significant comorbidities and can be managed. Um, But then it sort of got themselves caught in an area of sometimes it's not been able to grow and progress. I was really fortunate. I was the first um, nurse practitioner at the Royal Brisbane and I had some really amazing nursing leaders and medical colleagues who really believed that nurse practitioners can offer different things in EDs. And our model has really looked at our vulnerable patients that come through the emergency department in that they need emergent care, but they've often got other really complex confounding things such as women's health and sexual health, mental health, um, our aged care. So it was really saying these patients are missing aspects of their care and actually they don't fit in that traditional medical model. Nurse practitioners and the nursing model really helps encompass these whole patients' body and um, being and that we can actually deliver a whole um, service of care. I guess if I was a new graduate or someone new to nursing and I hear your level of expertise and this additional study that you've undertaken, it could feel quite overwhelming. Like I I just never could be like that or I don't want to embark. If we'd met you all those years ago and said, look, this is, this is the way your career is going to happen, would you have believed it? Not at all. I fell into nursing. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And when I told my mum after a few years at uni I was going to do nursing, her answer was, really? I don't think you'll be a very good nurse compared to your sister. But, you know, (laughs) I always say I accidentally fell into nursing and I started doing it and I loved my times on the ward because the amount of knowledge I grew from learning about patients, their relationships, their complexities, their emotions that they feel, I really fell that I was good at what I did. And what drew me to emergency was not because I didn't love what I had on the wards. It was because there were so many limitations at that time of what I could deliver to my patients that, you know, walking into a cubicle and standing on a medical round and being looked at as like, why am I there? And having something to say because it was my patient that I spend at least eight to 10 hours with every day, I've got something to give. And I was drawn to the emergency model because it's very collaborative. You're very equal in that setting. And so I would say to any nurse, if you are passionate about the care you are delivering at the bedside, then nurse practitioner is absolutely your career path. It's the way you should go forward. It doesn't limit you from ever being something higher in terms of an assistant nursing director or nursing director, but it just drives you through that clinical passion and you don't have to leave that to still be a nursing leader. 
Hi, I'm Michael Handy, so I am the Assistant Nursing Director for Trauma and Orthopaedics at the Royal Brisbane. Um, I'm here to talk about my time, or my journey as a nurse practitioner. So I became a nurse practitioner about 10 years ago. And the reasons I sort of looked at becoming a nurse practitioner is one, I was sort of looking at doing some additional study and I thought, what did I want? And um, at that stage in my career, I really wanted to be a better clinician. Uh, I was working as a clinical nurse consultant in trauma and I was like, how can I provide better care for my patients? And I thought um, the nurse practitioner route was uh, the way to go. So, um, yeah, so I underwent that training and it was great. It was probably not the, not the smoothest sort of thing. Like it did take me a while to get um, a position as a nurse practitioner in the trauma service. There was a lot of sort of work that was put in um, and support that was required throughout my sort of service line to sort of get me like a credential position. But ultimately, yeah, it took me a few years, but yeah, ultimately worthwhile, I would say. This was in the trauma service and you said you were already working in that service in a CNC role. So what differences did you see change in terms of your scope of practice after you were credentialed as an NP? This is it because the whole role of a nurse practitioner enables you to be that independent practitioner. So when I identified a problem, I could then act upon it rather than going and seeking other people out to sort of do it on my behalf. So one of the things we do is tertiary surveys. So if I found something sore on a patient, I was able to order my own x-ray, review my x-ray, and then based on that, actually diagnose or prescribe medication that was required at the time as well. In that sort of a consulting service, it's obviously quite different to, say, an emergency nurse practitioner. Did, what what sort of gap in the system did you see that that nurse practitioner role filled? Well, this is it. So our model is a nurse-led model anyway, um, because at that stage we were purely consultative. And what it enabled me to do, because we ran a seven-day-a-week, 18-hour-a-day sort of service, so depending on the, my time of shift, it just allowed for more timely um, management or sort of interventions for the patient. So because we worked in partnership with medical officers within the trauma service, but this is it, still being mindful and respective of the teams that own these patients um, so definitely being mindful not to not to overstep my mark I think I did my nurse practitioner so I could prescribe Cloxal and Senna because this is it it's something that is so simple and so it's a it's a nothing sort of medication but has a profound effect on on the patient um, and it's just recognizing little things like that and intervening early and making sure they've got VT prophylaxis and actually being able to put that onto an A sheet just really sort of promotes that sort of whole patient care. Yeah, excellent. So that seems to have been the common thread all through is, um, I guess, a more holistic, less interaction-based um, model of care. So uh, the patient being able to get a lot more needs met without being bumped around between different people to meet that range of needs that they have. Yeah, when, when you see sort of teams, like teams are always time poor and I think as a nurse and especially in, in our sort of service, it allows us to have that time to spend with the patient and, and even by, by doing that because you, you, you go through the whole sort of patient, you ask them questions about their life and, and what sort of got them here and, and that's a sort of the thing about trauma. We're not dealing with complex um, chronic sort of illnesses. These are uh, – trauma is something that happens sort of spontaneous but a lot of people have complex comorbidities that really impact on the care that we provide so it's being able to sort of look at the whole patient in that sort of picture to sort of come out with the best outcomes. 
the overlap between problems that exist for a patient for each different uh, professional group that cares for that patient under that model of care and looking at those spaces that overlap that are probably underserved or inefficient or not as effective as they could be. No, exactly. Awesome. Thank you very much for your time, Michael. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Jesse. Hi, my name is Sue Chafee. I am a nurse practitioner in cancer care. I focus on emergent care, so I see anybody who's unwell or becomes unwell in the outpatient setting. Um, I've been a nurse for oh, just over 20 years now and predominantly done cancer care, so it's always been my passion. I've always looked after in the cancer care space. I've done a bit of acute care in the background but um, and when I was overseas in England, but mostly cancer care. Um, I worked my way towards being a nurse practitioner pretty much just by default, actually. It just um, came that way. It takes a long time to get there, I found. So um, I did many roles. I did research. I did um, care coordinating. I worked in outpatients, inpatients, transplant, oncology, heme, everything. And the opportunity just came up that someone was willing to support my master's degree. So I went and, and went on that path. I had very supportive doctors around me as well, which helped immensely to really give me the inspiration to do more. So I finally, I graduated in 2020. You know, you raise your babies and you do different roles and you, you get there eventually. So we, we got there. Um, and I was very, very fortunate to get a, a candidate role here for the last six months of um, my degree. And also very fortunate to work with a very supportive executive team who are driven and focused towards building the MP role within our cancer care service. So I feel very, very fortunate to be involved with this team of people who are wanting to improve our service to cancer patients. Um, so my role is looking after that emergent care person and... I, I see the NP role in my space as that sweet spot. It's the sweet spot between being a doctor and being a nurse. I have 20 years of nursing experience, but I also have this medical knowledge that I can then bring together, that I can give the patient both aspects of care. And I'm autonomous, so I'm not reliant upon having a doctor come and give me an order for something that I know is wrong with the patient. I can assess them, I can give a plan of care, I follow them up. And it's just that, that sweet, sweet spot in the middle, which I find completely rewarding. I'm only just new in the role, though, so I'm 12 months in and looking to improve our outpatient access for patients after hours, but also during the day so they don't have to come into ED, that we can look after our own and help them and advise them with people who they know. Cancer's a terrible, sometimes terrible journey, that is daunting for everybody. So be able to give them that personalised care and in my role be able to give them everything. That's, that's why I love what I do. And that wraps up our special feature episode celebrating Australian Nurse Practitioners Week. We heard from five awesome nurse practitioners from right here at Royal Brisbane and Women's Hospital. In true five things form, I'm going to have a go at pulling out five learnings that I got from that episode. So number one, your career will change and evolve. Make sure you have one hand on the steering wheel. Number two, 
Consider the unique value of your role and how it can be expanded. Number three, look for opportunities in the spaces where increased autonomy in your job, patient experience and outcomes and efficiency overlap. That's a sweet spot for considering advanced practice roles like nurse practitioner. Number four, knowledge and skill build through identifying gaps, through reflection and driving your own personal education at times where you're looking for that stretch and to develop your career further. And number five, we have an amazing nurse practitioner mentors right on our doorstep. So seek them out. They're more than happy to have a chat and help give you some career advice or guidance. So thank you to all the nurse practitioners around Australia and around the world. We're really proud of what you're doing to drive our profession forward. The Royal Brisbane and Women's Hospital Five Things Nursing Podcast acknowledges the Turrbal and Yagara as the First Nations owners of the lands we now tread. We pay respect to their elders, laws, customs and creation spirits. We recognise that these lands have always been places of healing, teaching and learning. We also wish to acknowledge the First Nations people of the lands of our global community and encourage our listeners to seek out, listen and learn from the knowledge held in your shared space. As well as all major podcast outlets, you can find us at fivethingsnursing.podbean.com. Please also subscribe and give us a rating on your listening platform of choice. This helps others find the podcast. And finally, if you'd like to connect with Liz or myself on Twitter, we can be found at LizCrow2. And for me, it's inject underscore orange. We would absolutely love to hear your thoughts, ideas, or feedback. Thanks for listening to Five Things.